Hello and welcome to Unrivaled Experts, where we get the best of the best to share their insider secrets so you can get a shortcut to living a better life. I'm Chris Gunkel, and I want to know, are you ready for an underdog story? Because that's what we have for you today. Joining us today is Justin Black, and boy, does he have a story to tell you. Justin and his wife, Alexis, are authors, speakers, business owners. They were part of the Forbes Next 1000 class of 2021 Together, they've published an award-winning and best-selling book titled Redefining Normal, How Two Foster Kids Beat the Odds and Discovered Healing, Happiness, and Love. And that's had an impact on tens of thousands of individuals and families. And now they have their business, Redefining Normal. Would they want to continue the conversation on healthy relationships, mental health, and healing? And they're doing this through speaking engagements, trainings, book clubs and workshops that they have. Justin, thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Chris. And thank you for an amazing introduction too. I definitely appreciate it. Hey, you've got a lot to talk about and a lot to offer. I could have made that intro a lot longer. Um, So I I barely touched on, on everything that we're going to talk about here, but you and Alexis have a pretty incredible story. And if you're looking at statistics, Um, you're living a very different life if we follow the statistics. Um, But you've managed to, you know, come come with a lot of disadvantages, overcome those disadvantages and really take control of your life and turn it around. So can you give us just a little bit of background on you and your story, where you came from? Yeah, of course. So um, again, name is Justin Black and I'm from Detroit. Grew up in Detroit pretty much my whole life, uh, till around like eight, 18 or 19 years old before I went out to college. And um, so I think in my family, there was just a lot of mental health issues being passed down as culture, uh, a lot of hurt and pain being passed down as culture on both sides of my family. Um, my mom's side, just generations of like two generations of drug abuse. And on my dad's side, generations of domestic violence. So, you know, when you have... Uh, bring me into this world and give me life. It's kind of like, you know, these are the things that are set before me. So deal with a lot of uh, feeling uh, worthless throughout my childhood and teenage years and acting up in school, just basically trying to get a better understanding of who I was and misassociating attention by any means with love and uh, try to have a better understanding of love for myself and how to best represent myself. Um, as an older teenager and as a young adult, but as a child, you know, I had to go through that phase of why did my parents want me? You know, I live in Detroit. I'm in foster care as a teenager, but they live only 20 minutes away. Why aren't they visiting me? And all these questions that I have for myself. So um, it wasn't until I was like a 16 year old, I believe, and I, I moved into a group home and I bounced around a foster care system for a little bit with friends, with family and everything. But Around uh, 16 or 17 years old, I moved into a group home and it was funded by the church. And this is where they taught me how to drive. It got my license, tutoring, just everything that I needed. They were there to help me and support me. But the biggest thing that they offered was just words of encouragement. You know, when my mentor is there, they really gave me words of encouragement to help me become who I am today. And, you know, I didn't think I can go to college even when I wanted to. And he just talked to me and said, you know, that's easy. You know, you're going to college. That's nothing for you. The question is, 
you know, uh, what are you going to graduate with? Uh, you know, how are you going to be successful after college? And I'm only a junior or senior in high school. So just the words of encouragement that they gave me in that setting really helped me to become who I am today. And uh, eventually meeting my uh, beautiful partner in life and my wife in my freshman year at Western Michigan University. And we kind of just took on the world from there, doing a bunch of study abroads. We have 13 uh, combined with both of us and um, starting different programs, getting involved with clubs and and university and trying to just maximize our time and and be as efficient as possible with, with what we have and the resources that God gave us. And that led us to producing the book because, you know, starting off where we came from with those generations of trauma to where we are now, a lot of people don't believe that it's possible. And by showcasing our story, I believe that um, a lot of people who have those statistics set before them, they can use us as examples to overcome as well. Absolutely. And, you know, going back, so, so your parents surrendered you, you grew up in the foster care system. You said up until about age 16, you were battling with these feelings of worthlessness. And then you got into this group home sponsored by the church and and they started speaking words of encouragement into you. How was that transition? I mean, what was your mindset and how difficult was it for you to accept that, hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm worth something more than I thought I was. Yeah. And even though I transitioned into the group home, I still, I still dealt with those feelings. And I dealt with those feelings until maybe like, maybe three or four years ago. It was at a point in college where I kind of uh, had to just think to myself, like, I don't want to let other people's actions, even if it's my parents, you know, if they don't visit me, they do visit me, whatever they do with their life. I can't let that dictate who I am and how I feel about myself. And one of the biggest things that I started to realize is how important grace and mercy is, not only for ourselves, but also for other people. And understanding that, you know, as as a young adult, I started to then understand what my parents actually went through. You know, and my mom, you know, as a child, she was beaten, she was raped, she was tortured and and it's just all these crazy things that I didn't learn about until I was an adult. And so the life that she lived as an adult, as a functional addict, you know, that was better than, in her eyes, that was better than what she experienced, uh, you know, as a child. So we needed to kind of figure out, like, I needed to kind of understand what she was going through at the moment of, okay, so, you know, this is how she's rationalizing things. And I need to have grace and mercy for her because I don't know, you know, what she had to do to survive those type of circumstances and situations. So I think grace and mercy for me was one of the biggest things that really opened my eyes and understand a sense of worthiness and love my parents even more. And just say that to myself, like for my children, I have to be better and do better and teach them and protect, protect them. Because along the way, it was people who didn't protect my mother and father when they were children. So uh, do my best to protect uh, the youth you know, in the world and my people around me, the children around me and my children one day. So having that understanding really helped you to, to move past those emotions and, and know why you're in the situation that you were in. Um, But you went through a lot of hardship. I mean, there are a lot of, I'm sure, difficult moments in your life um, because your circumstances, you know, emotionally um, things that were put on you, what skills, like what, 
what did you learn from these experiences that now you're able to apply in life to be successful? Hmm. That's a good question. So one of the things that these circumstances really taught me was to do the best with what I can control. There are a lot of things in the lives of children, the the lives of youth who are in foster care that you really can't control. You know, for a lot of youth who are in foster care, um, you know, your, your life has been dictated by attorneys, caseworkers, foster parents, whoever, everybody but you. But it got to a point where I was just saying to myself, like, you know what, if I was to get kicked out of a home, I'm going to make sure it's not my fault. Or I'm going to make sure, you know, when I'm in school, I'm doing the best that I could do. I'm going to make sure that, you know, I'm doing the best that I could do with what I can control. And I want to be as intentional as possible about that. And once you, I noticed that once you really get into that, like I'm going to do my best that I can do with what I can control, more than likely a, pos- a positive outcome will come out on the other side of that. So I, that's what I started to kind of realize over time. And the more control I had over my life as a young adult and even now, I started to realize how important that was to always, you know, if I can control it with my discipline, with my consistency, with my words of encouragement to myself, if, if it's something that I can control and I won't make an excuse for it or view it as just a weakness and say, that's just the way it is. It's just the way I am. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't control that. You know, I can't control the way I am or how I feel, but understanding that, you know, I can dictate my actions and a lot of times my actions will influence uh, the end result of my life in different situations. And that's huge to have that realization, especially at a young age. Um, but to really know, hey, I can control what I can control. I'm going to do the best I can with that. And, and that's pretty incredible, honestly, to be able to take that attitude because that's what's going to help you succeed in every area of your life. Were there times that you think that you thought maybe, hey, it, it'd be easy? I have, I'm not in a good spot in life. It's easy for me to be the victim. Would that have been easier at some point? Yeah, I think, well, <laughs> for a lot of people who take that, who, who kind of assume that position of a victim, a lot of times it may seem like it's easier, but actually it's, it's really harder because not only, and we focus on this concept a lot in the, in our book, Redefining Normal, about the external locus of control versus the internal locus of control. And the internal locus of control says that uh, for at least majority of the things that happen to me in my life, I have an influence over versus external locus of control means that the things that happen in my life, the outside world has a majority of influence over and I don't have much say so or control over. And for a lot of people who kind of assume the victim position, lot of things that happen to all of us, you know, that have been out of our control, you know, whether you have divorced parents, whether you've grown up in foster care, whether it's a lot of things that have happened. But um, I think it's easy for us to just sit back and say, you know, it happened to me, it's nothing I can do. But it takes a lot more work to go through that sadness, that depression, that anxiety that comes with being a victim as opposed to the freedom and the autonomy that comes with saying, I'm going to take control of my situation. And it's it, even though it may seem easier to be the victim, it comes with a lot more stress, a lot more uh, uh, just 
things that people don't want in life. So that's why I always encourage, you know, and that's not to say that things don't happen to us that are unfair, you know, because that's that's real. You know, I didn't choose the situations that I grew up in in my life. But um, as a young adult, I know that I'm going to always be as intentional as possible about uh, trying to produce the best outcome that I can. Absolutely. Don't surrender to those circumstances. Take control of your life. That's the only way you're really going to get through and have that life that you want. And you did just that. You took on that internal locus of control. You took control of what you could take control of. And you, you've risen up and really created a great life for yourself. What is it? What was the motivation that prompted you and Alexis to share your story and to write your book? Man, so we were actually, um, it was 2019, and Alexis' mentor, uh, actually uh, the pastor's wife is her mentor, and she's really talking to Alexis about writing a book. And a lot of our great ideas come from our mentors. You know, they always tell us, you should write this book, you should start this business, you should be a part of this program. And um, she really encouraged Alexis to write this book. And we didn't have a name for it or anything. And we just sat down one day kind of brainstorming and thinking about how, how cool it would be to kind of write a book. And um, one of the things that we thought about, or I think I mentioned was for your first book should always be something that you have daily conversations about, something that's always on your mind, something that's always, you know, uh, uh, on your mind as you interact with people, you have conversations about. And with Redefining Normal, we always have conversations about healthy relationships, about how trauma has become so normalized that children can see certain violent things. They can hear certain things uh, and on see certain things on TV, hear certain things in music uh, and just be desensitized to it when it shouldn't be normal, but is normalized in society for different uh, people who, who are mar- come from marginalized backgrounds. So and I remember being in a setting with a lot of my nieces and nephews and, you know, hearing the things that they heard and seeing the things that they saw and a lot of drug use going on around them and alcohol use and it just being normal. And nobody flinched or thought twice about it. And that's a conversation that me and Alexis have for a very, very long time about how normal traumatic situations or unhealthy circumstances were. And we wanted to talk about how, you know, I can talk to you about some of the craziest things that happened in my family. And you, your mind may be blown and I wouldn't even think twice about it. Like, oh, yeah, that happened. It was whatever, you know, and your, your mind will be blown because that's not true normal. That's not something that you're used to. So we wanted to write a book about changing that normal, changing the perspective from being desensitized to trauma and unhealthy situations to be hyper aware of it and in, as intentional as possible about dictating your legacy and the, the practices and habits you pass down to the next generation. Because in both of our families, there have been negative and unhealthy practices and habits passed down to a point where the unhealthy circumstances have become normal. But we wanted to change that in our lives and identify the statistics. That's why in each chapter of the book, before we start, there are statistics saying that only one in like one in three black men go to jail or prison in their lifetime. Uh, women in foster care, like a certain percentage of them become pregnant by 18. 3% of foster youth graduate college. I think only around 50% graduate high school and on and on and on and on. So identify the statistics that become normal to us. And then 
see how we've broken those statistics and put Bible scriptures uh, in there as well to show how we were able to overcome those statistics. So um, it, it was because our lives is nothing we can really take credit over, uh, but really just the grace and mercy of God that have gotten us to this point and just the support system of the mentors and the church and so many loving people who contributed to us. And though we've made that decision to uh, do better in our lives, um, it's just so many things that we needed and needed to be aware of the things that were set before us so we can overcome. So all those ideas went into creating the Redefining Normal book, but it was, I would say, one of the biggest things that we wanted to tell people is intentionality and not passing down unhealthy practices and habits to the next generation because we're comfortable, you know, and we just don't care about it or we're not thinking about it or we're clueless to it. Yeah, just being really intentional, but that awareness that you said of what's what are, what's the situation I'm in and what is normal. And like your book title is redefining that normal, breaking those generational habits with intentional habits um, and, and then passing that down from generation to generation. I think that's such a, a great message. And, and one thing I want to point out to our audience too, Justin, just about your mindset and how intentional you are. When you started this off, you said, well, your first book should be about conversations that you have on a regular basis. Your first book. So you're, you are already, like, you have this growth mindset. You already have book two on the, on the way in your mind, at least. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a, a great example right there. Um, so you, you guys wrote this book um, to share this message uh, of really taking control, redefining what our normal is, and you've built a business around it. Um, what's what's the mission? Who are you reaching with this business? Yeah. So first with the business, I mean, it started with the book, you know, and we wanted to continue that conversation of a lot of the themes and concepts of the book. So we had to turn this into a business and I, I still kind of went into making it into a business. But uh, some of the audiences that we want to talk to, we want to talk to um a lot of organizations who are speaking to youth who've experienced trauma. So we've done a lot of our work in the child welfare system with different stakeholders, the youth themselves, the caseworkers, the social workers, and the, the foster parents. We've also done a lot of interactions and collaborations with universities. Um, because we focus on the personal as well as the professional development, uh, youth who are, or students who are making that transition to a college level, they're experiencing so many different things being out on their own and not establishing their core principles and values yet. They don't know why they're going to college. Maybe they're just going doing this because someone told them to, or they don't know what they want to get out of the experience and how to utilize their time, how to maximize their time in this space with that opportunity and, and establishing intentional relationships with friendships and even romantic relationships that reflect their core principles and values and asking themselves like, okay, so this is what I want for myself, but, you know, the circle around me and the people who are around me don't reflect these core principles and values that I've established for myself. So challenging to reevaluate that. So I would say um, university professors and students as well um, and the youth serving organizations, the child welfare system and different stakeholders in there and um, hopefully developing more products and, and practices for other advocates uh, to get involved and other people to get involved. And um, like I said, continue to do the personal and professional development 
for different uh, stakeholders and different people in general and looking just to move the move the business forward. So what's something that our audience can do to apply these principles is the redefining normal principles that you lay out in the book, the things that you're teaching. How do we apply that to our lives? Yeah, of course. So one of the things we talk about in our presentations are expectations. So um, we kind of break it down in a process of uh, happiness is, uh, I I believe the, the definition of contentment is meeting the desires uh, needs or expectations of someone. And we always ask, so who is this someone we're meeting the expectations of? And a lot of times in life, we're meeting the expectations of our parents, uh, the things and habits that they set before us, we're meeting their expectations. We're meeting the expectations of the world because, you know, um, they're asking us of something that they want us to do or a job or whoever are setting an expectation for us. But in order to live a redefined life, in order to redefine normal, we must establish our own expectations that will challenge us to get a, us out of our comfort zone, out of what we're used to. And it's a perfect example of that when, you know, I lived in Detroit my, my 18 and 19 years straight, not going anywhere outside of the city. And in my, my freshman and sophomore year in college, I'm in South Korea and I'm traveling to different countries and everything. So uh, trying to best prepare ourselves to ch- get get out of our comfort zone and set new expectations for ourselves and following that up with being as intentional as possible about setting three to four core principles and values that you want to live by. So examples could be, for me, I want to be disciplined and consistent. So for, I believe in since November, 2021, I've been waking up at 6 a.m. every single day with meditation, with prayer, and then I'm going to the gym. And also discipline is something I want to live by and display that on a daily basis. So once you establish your core principles and values, identify how you want to display those for yourself on a daily basis and then for other people. Having uh, consistent relationships, continues to check in, check in on people, uh, be the loving person that you can be and different things like that. So that's some of the things that we teach and then we challenge other people and then we want to challenge your listeners to do. Everything that you want in life is just outside your comfort zone. I don't know who said it originally, mm-hmm. but I want to pass that message because it's going along with exactly what you're saying. And in order to get there, you need to check in with yourself, define what are those values I'm going to live by, and you have to be really intentional about holding yourself to those values. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love it. You can use that. Once you've defined those values, then every action that you take in life then can be measured up to that. You can use it as a filter. If I do this, am I living my values? If I do that, am I living my values? It actually makes, makes a great guidepost in life. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that you put it like that, really defining your values. And, you know, you'll know once you build a habit and build consistency with your core principles and values and displaying those for yourself on a daily basis. Once, you know, you come in a situation or something is challenging you that is getting you out of that, you know, out of that uh, atmosphere of your core principles and values, you'll be able to identify it and you'll have to adjust and be flexible. So building those habits and, and values, or th- those are the things that we want you to be able to pass down as being a part of your legacy and being generational 
And once you are able to practice that, you're able to make it cultural in your life. And then you're able to build those relationships where it becomes cultural in your household. And then one day for your children. Exactly. So we break, break the cycle of bad habits and we help build ourselves up, build other people up. Um, Justin, you're giving us some great, great information here, some great insights into how we can take control of our lives, really go after what we want, getting out of that comfort zone and, and saying, this is who I want to be and I'm going to live up to that. So I want to thank you for that. We don't have time to go through everything that you can tell us, unfortunately, because you have so much great information and I know People are going to want to learn more from you. First step, everybody, make sure you go out and get the book, Redefining Normal. You can get it right now on Amazon um, and I think on your website as well, too. But Justin, how do we learn more about you? How can we learn more from you? Yeah, of course. So speaking of the website, feel free to check out our website at redefiningnormal.com. There you'll be able to find a redefined normal uh, book itself, How to Foster Kids, Beat the Odds, and Discover Hidden Happiness and Love. You'll also be able to find our companion guide, which goes hand in hand with the Redefining Normal book. And the companion guide takes our lives out of this redefining normal process and allows you to put your life in that redefining normal process and journey. So you have that as well. Um, if this interview was visual, you'll be able to see my cool Redefining Normal t-shirt. You can grab some swag on the website. But you can also book us to just uh, schedule a call with us to see how you can get more information and see how we can collaborate on social media. Uh, you can follow us on TikTok. We're trying to keep up with the younger audience on TikTok. So it's redash defining normal on Instagram is re or re.defining normal. I'm sorry. On Instagram is re.defining normal and Facebook is redefining normal movement. And if you want to email us, it's info at redefining normal. Awesome. Make sure you go check it out. Go to read-definingnormal.com. Get the book, get the companion guide, because that's how you're going to be able to apply it to your life. I'll put all of those links up on the show notes page so you can reach out to Justin yourself and learn from him, learn from his wife, Alexis. Justin, thank you so much for being on the show. No, thank you for having me. It's, It's been a privilege and an honor to be able to talk to you and your audience today. Thanks for being here and checking out our latest amazing guest. Be sure to head over to unrivaledexperts.com to learn from more incredible experts so you can get a shortcut to living your best life.